Hello, friends, and welcome to a very special in-the-know release party. That's right. I'm pulling out the party hats and the confetti. Research is paramount in the L&D space. It helps guide the direction we head in and the decisions we make to help serve the learner. Are you ready to learn what frontline leaders are doing to drive success and what barriers they still need to overcome? I'm Josh Felix, the Director of Solution Design at Exonify, and this is In the Know, your 25-minute deep dive into the employee experience and what we can do to make it better. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Red Thread Research's Heather Gilmartin-Adams and Danny Johnson. Together, we will celebrate the recent release as well as break down the findings of the recent Getting Real About the Frontline Workforce Report and the role stability plays in maximizing productivity. Yes, I know, I know. The burning question you have right now is, where's JD? On a typical day, we are only separated by a mere 469 miles, or for our friends north of the border, 754 kilometers. But today, our distance has grown to 2,140 miles, or 3,443 kilometers, and three time zones. JD is currently in sunny San Diego, California at ATD 23 inside the gorgeous San Diego Convention Center. A little fun fact for you, 80 years, for 80 years, the Association of Talent Development has hosted conferences to educate and inspire professionals in the talent and development field. Did you know the first conference was held in Chicago in 1945, and it only drew 56 attendees? all the way to San Diego today, where there's over 9,500 people within the convention center right now. What is that? Fax machine, I'll be right back. (laughs) Go figure, Mr. Dillon sends me a fax. From San Diego. Well, let's see what came across. Oh, he wants me to read this message out to all his fans that he has on the show. Hello, ITK. Having a great time in San Diego. Wish you were here. Lots of awesome conversations about enabling frontline workers. Had spaghetti for dinner last night. My shirt is covered in sauce. Send some Tide. The session with friends at Kroger went great. Insightful conversation on influencing stakeholders to think differently and embrace new ideas. Also, plenty of interest in the modern learning ecosystem. Hold up my book on camera, please. Actually read that. Well, of course, JD. Um, It has nothing to do with me standing next to the book in the store selling like a hot dog vendor. So if you're ATD, make sure you go get your signed copy this afternoon. Looking forward to seeing you on the next episode. Planning to watch The Fablemans on the plane ride home. Did you like that movie? Doesn't matter. Can't hear you anyway. Have a great show. Say hi to Danny and Heather for me. Be well, JD. Well, thanks, JD, for the facts. We'll get rid of that. Um, It's great that he sent the facts, but maybe let's check on, on what's going on right now at ATD in San Diego.
Well, we appreciate that little clip of what's going on in San Diego. It looks like a great time. So be sure to follow JD and the Exonify team on LinkedIn as we share insights from our ATD 23 experience. Okay, time to regroup. So how do we make it easier for frontline workers to do their jobs? It's a simple question, but the answer is more nuanced than you might expect. Red Thread Research asked over 500 employees and 50 leaders from a wide range of industries and job functions about what's working and what's not. When it comes to enabling the success of their teams for its recent report, Getting Real About the Frontline, what did it reveal? It's exciting to bring the report authors, Heather Gilmartin-Adams and Danny Johnson to ITK as we unpack the findings from this pivotal report to learn what organizations are doing to drive progress and what barriers they still need to overcome. We will explore the connection between stability and high performance, the disconnect around employee development, the rise and fall of frontline recognition and more. Danny is a co-founder and principal analyst at Red Thread Research. Prior to founding Red Thread, Danny led the learning and career research practice at Burson, Deloitte, and previously led research at the Ross School, University of Michigan. Danny holds an MBA and an MS and a BS degree in mechanical engineering from BYU. Before a kid, her favorite vacations involved a backpack, a map, and Google Translate. Heather is a senior analyst at Red Thread Research, trained in conflict resolution and organizational development. Heather has spent the past 10 years in various capacities in organizational culture and mindset change consultancies, as well as the U.S. Department of Treasury. She holds a master's degree in international affairs from Columbia University and a bachelor's degree of history from Princeton University. She has lived in Germany, China, Japan, and India. Oh, and once for a summer was a wrangler on a dude ranch in Colorado. Danny and Heather, you're in the know. Awesome. Happy to be here. Hello. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today. There are a few key rally cries we hear a lot in the frontline world. Frontline workers are underserved. Frontline workers are underutilized. Frontline workers are the key to your success, but you're not using them. These aren't necessarily wrong, but sometimes they're used with a deeper understanding of the complex employee experience. That's really where this report comes in after reading through it. Can you tell us about the motivation behind the report? What led you to start looking into some of those prevailing narratives around the frontline experience? Yeah. Do you, uh, should I take a first shot, Danny, or you want to take a first shot? (laughs) Um, yeah, well, like you said, Josh, the, there has been over the last three years, you know, a kind of a collective awakening to the importance of frontline workers and, um, to use another sort of military acronym. They're the, they're the tip of the spear. They're the ones interacting with customers and handling products and all of these things that really affect, um, businesses of, ability to do their jobs. And so that's the motive. That was the motivation. We started hearing that conversation more. We started getting more questions about how can I support my frontline workers better? Um, that was the motivation for the research. Uh, and you know, we, we always, when we start our research, we always look into what's the, what is the conversation? We, we follow that pretty closely. And, um, we're looking for sort of where might red threads perspective, uh, bring some, you know, where can we bring some unique insights that haven't been seen before? And that's kind of where I think the interesting thing happened. What we realize is, is that prevailing narrative that frontline workers are underserved and undersupported, that there's a lot of churn and neglect. Um, it's, there's a lot of truth in that, but what we found was, um, there's more, there's more to the story in particular, 
there are more similarities between frontline workers and other workers than um, you might expect or than, than is really being talked about. And also there are more bright spots. There are more things being done to support frontline workers than, um, you know, is, is really in the prevailing narrative. And we wanted to kind of highlight all of those things. Well, you know, to me, it's just amazing. You know, the industry needs insights just like this. And the work that you both have done is truly so important. So from me to you, I really appreciate what you've done. So it seems that we've taken like a step forward in terms of how we position the frontline experience. We're no longer talking about whether or not you need to invest in the experience. That's table stakes. It has to happen. Now it's more about how you invest in the frontline experience and enable that. What do you focus on? Where do you put your budget or your bandwidth? Those are the questions those frontline leaders are asking. Have you seen a shift in thinking about frontline enablement from a value add to a must-have for organizations looking to maximize labor productivity? Yeah, I think we I think we have. I think obviously the pandemic did a lot to draw attention to, you know, these workers. We finally started addressing them as essential versus uh, blue collar. And so we've just started talking about them differently. And I think that's there, there are two reasons that maybe it's more essential than it has ever been in the past. The first one is for the first time in history, more workers are leaving the workforce than entering it. And so we literally in a few years won't have enough people to do the jobs that are currently existing. Now that's going to balance out as we figure out how to rearrange work and as we use technology in order to, to, to sort of even that out. But even so, um, right now, it's essential to pay attention to that because we, because we're literally competing for employees in ways that we probably haven't before. And I think the other thing that maybe happened during the pandemic, the whole idea of HR and workers and employees, it became a lot more human. So um, I think particularly this audience, that sentiment may have been missing in the past. But during the pandemic, when we changed the way that we talked about them and we changed the way that we addressed them and started paying attention to their needs a little bit more, we're recognizing them and, and all employees actually as more than just cogs and machine. No, I think it's fabulous. So, so the question I have, like the follow-up, so when we talk about enabling frontline workers to thrive, what are we talking about? You know, What are enabled frontline workers doing and feeling on a regular basis? I know I have two in my household, right? My two older kids, they're in the front line, they're in the QSR space. What are we doing? You know, how are we truly enabling them and ensuring that we're focused on how they're feeling? Hmm. Um, well, so the way that we broke it down for this research, we, we thought about thriving in, in three parts, right? And, and this actually applies to all employees, not just frontline workers, but they need to be enabled to perform well. They need to be enabled to learn and grow and prepare for new roles. And they need to be able to feel like they're working in, a, in an environment that is motivating for them, where they're engaged, where they feel like they belong. They belong. Um, and so we looked, at, we looked at those three things and looked at what are organizations doing within those three areas to enable frontline workers specifically and where are the differences between, you know, what's unique about the frontline experience in those three areas. Danny, what would you add? Josh, I want to jump in and kind of go back to your question. You said how, you know, paying attention to how they're feeling. Yes, that's very important. It goes back to that idea of human, but I think it's much bigger than that. Mm. Um, I think we've realized during the pandemic and after, as we've started to pay attention a little bit, that, that there's tremendous amount of value in our frontline workers, and we may have been underutilizing them in the past. So it's not so much just about how they're feeling. It's about how we take advantage of the tremendous value that they bring to make our organization stronger and better and move forward together. I love that. 
So I know a theme that I saw when I was reading through the report, and I think I shared that I hold the record. I read it 17 plus times. So if anybody's read it more than me, put it in the chat, let us know. But there was a the theme of pillars, right? And the pillar of frontline enablement. And that first pillar was around perform well. And I, I, didn't, I don't think I said it strong enough, but perform well, right? It's like every manager just, that, that's like the mantra to preach today in your team huddle. What are the most notable findings around hurdles facing organizations when it comes to helping workers perform well? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the hurdles are pretty well established by the research that we read in our, in our lit review, um, low pay. Um, workers are often looking for, for something else. So just the idea of stability for the individual as well as stability for the organization is a huge hurdle. Another one that we heard quite a bit is flexibility. Um, it's you have to be on site for almost all of these jobs. And so having flexibility in the schedule isn't really something that, that works in a lot of those jobs. And so organizations are actually really struggling with these needs by the organization, by the individuals in order to, to get them to perform better. Heather, what would you add? Well, I really like that you called out stability and flexibility as, as the two things, because they kind of, there's a tandem between them, right? So, so a lot of frontline workers are looking for more stability in their personal lives so that they can plan their lives. And, and the challenge is that the needs of, of some of the schedule, the needs of work and the, the demands on them to be flexible, to appear at work at certain times has an impact on the stability of their, their personal lives. And uh, how stable some of their some of the things in their personal lives are, like the things we heard about, like like childcare and uh, transportation stability and housing stability, that affects how flexible they can be with work. So I, there's a there's a relationship be, there between those two things um, that I think is really important and really challenging for organizations to address effectively. So if we think about the challenges, or we call them hurdles, as we've you know all said now. What are some of the ways that organizations can address these hurdles to allow their team to truly perform well? Yeah, I mean, I think we we saw this in the in our conversations with with leaders and employees as well as um, in the in the other research that we looked at. But for stability, for example, um, providing opportunities for learning and growth, providing a career path, helping them understand where they fit in the organization, where they can go with respect to that. For something like flexibility. We've seen all kinds of things recently, um, particularly in the tech space that, I mean, this is a solvable problem, right? Like we've been dealing with Taylorism for a hundred years, like the nine hour shift. It doesn't have to be that way. And so we can actually leverage technology and maybe a little bit of creative thinking to fix that flexibility problem so that we can provide opportunities for, for parents to see their kids 2 p.m., you know, first grade play or uh, attend a soccer game. It's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. These things can be solved. We just haven't necessarily thought about it before. Interesting. Anything to add, Heather, on that? Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the examples that I loved was simply sort of getting to know um, what exactly your workforce needs in terms of flexibility. So one example, there was a franchise restaurant and they realized that a lot of their employees were waiting at the bus stop for like 45 minutes after their shift um, uh, because that was the bus schedule. And so they just reorganized their shift schedule to align better with the bus schedule and it made everybody's lives better. And so it's those types of um, um, changes that are, that are not super expensive always to make um, that we're seeing more organizations do. And I think that's really neat. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, it's an opportunity. I was reading an article last night and it was around a QSR. We'll leave the QSR nameless. But one of their franchisees has a franchise in New York City. Mm-hmm. He said the biggest challenge to allow his team members to perform well is affordable housing. Wow. Right. So what he has done is he has actually gone and bought a multi-unit dwelling in New York City and rents it out to his employees at affordable housing rates. You talk about just going above and beyond, right, to allow his team to perform well. It's just the report for me, reading the report to reading this article last night, I was like, it's coming together, right? Our leaders are starting to really think about this. I wonder, Josh, that actually takes me back to the way things used to be. You know what I mean? So I don't, I'm not... I'm not recommending feudal Europe, but, but in, in a sense, you know, company towns came around using that very same model. You know what I mean? And it seems like in the last hundred years, we've sort of forgotten that, but it's an interesting idea to think about what is actually the responsibility of the organization to the people that are serving that organization as employees and what can we do to make their jobs easier? And how does that actually help the organization grow? Because we've been so focused on sort of short-term profit for so long that some of those things that are sort of ingrained into the way that we've done things historically are now missing. So I think it's interesting that some of them are coming back in. Yeah. yeah. So, so another theme that I saw, so when you think about the next way organizations can enable their workers to thrive is really to help them learn, grow, and prepare for new, new roles, right? Some of us call this upskilling, some call it cross-skilling. Let's just saying preparing for new roles. Yeah. What are the barriers you all rec- uh, uncovered in the report related to this? I mean, I, there were there were several. I think um, part of it is mindset. Part of it is the way that we've structured those roles. Part of it is the way that we've viewed these people in the past. So you do this thing, you're a cog in a machine, you do this really well, you do it forever. Um, or you're blue collar versus white collar, and that's the boundary, and you can't go above that. Or we're not necessarily paying attention to all the things that we're doing to help people learn, grow, and develop. And so there's a sort of a dearth of understanding of what development actually is. So we saw all three of those things as ways that organizations are just, we haven't cleared that in a lot of organizations to maybe fix the problem as well as we should. Fabulous. So I wanted to dive into the third category that I really uncovered reading through. And the third one was that enablement category. It's really ensuring workers an environment that engages and includes them, right? I think we often forget that. We're all about engaging people, but how do we include them? So creating a sense of belonging is this huge talk track right now. What are some of the barriers you discovered in regards to that enablement? The lower category. Yeah, two of the big ones were around recognition, simply wanting to be acknowledged for the work that that they're doing and and another had to do with um communication and really hearing both both communication from sort of the central areas of an organization out to the front line making sure that they that frontline workers are getting the information that they need to do their jobs well and to to feel like they're plugged into what's going on and they're part of a community but then also um communication the other way, right? So so a lot a lot of what we heard was frontline workers aren't feeling like their feedback is heard or that their ideas are heard. Um, and even that even goes to to learning and development where uh, you know we talked to one leader who was really surprised to learn about all of these really cool development initiatives that were happening on on the front line that were developed by you know frontline teams that um, she didn't know about. 
So, so it's that type of communication that I think was really a struggle for a lot of the organizations we talked to. What would you add, Danny? I think the other thing that we're hearing more and more, so we're actually doing a podcast series on Frontline as well. Uh, and we talked to Steve Hunt this week. And one of the things that he said that was really interesting to me is this idea of purpose. So we studied purpose at Red Thread, but particularly for that Frontline and tying what they're doing every day to the overall vision and purpose of the organization. Um, there's a really good example of a medical device company. I don't have their permission to share this story, so I, I, won't, I won't use their name, but they actually do... Um, they do events where they bring all of the, the employees together and have people that have been saved by these devices come and talk to them to reinforce the mission of the organization and reinforce that what they do, even if, you know, quality check to running the line to whatever it is, it really matters to, to the, the people that they serve. And so that idea of connection, um, bringing everybody together with one purpose is another way to, to make sure that that inclusion and that belonging is happening. Just amazing, amazing. So last question for both of you. So if you could ensure our viewers walk away from this conversation with one new item to add to their to-do list, what would it be? Go ahead, Heather. Um, yeah. What I, was, what I was thinking was there's a lot that you could do. There are a lot of actions that you could potentially take. Um, I would, one of the themes that we heard from a lot of leaders is, know your your workforce get out there and know who you are supporting and figure out what matters to them which ideas are most pressing and then focus on those um that was a, a running theme that i thought was just a really good idea love it i know yeah. I, yeah another thing that we saw was that really good things are happening good things are happening everywhere and we're not talking about the good things that are happening you know what i mean so a lot of people on on in those frontline positions for example don't know that they're actually being developed we don't talk about it as development. We talk about it as part of the job. And so putting a name to some of these things that are happening can change the way that we think about it. And as we know, what gets talked about obviously gets improved. And so so to start where you are, take a look around and put a name to the things that are happening. Don't assume that just because we've done it that way forever, it doesn't matter um, or, the, or we need to change it. Really good things are happening. Well, truly appreciate the time, Danny and Heather. Thanks for helping us unpack Getting Real about the Frontline Workforce Report. To get your copy of the report, visit exonify.com slash redthread. Exonify strategic partner Achievers is hosting the Achievers ACE Conference on May 31st through June 1st in Austin, Texas. We're excited that Exonify's own Shannon Herbert will be hosting a roundtable session. Don't miss Achievers ACE, the Employee Experience Conference. If you enjoyed this episode, you should certainly subscribe to ITK. Head over to exonify.com slash ITK to sign up for show announcements and reminders. You can also check out the entire ITK playlist on Exonify YouTube's channel or listen to In the Know on your favorite podcast. Our next episode is in just two short weeks, and hopefully JD will be back from his beach vacation in San Diego. Sorry, JD. I meant ATD in San Diego. Our next episode is Leveraging Breakdowns to Breakthrough with Elizabeth Thompson. Elizabeth Thompson has seen it all in her 20-plus year career in HR, from massive layoffs at Starbucks during a recession to having a front-row seat to Chapter 11 experience with Southeastern Grocers as the chief people officer, and how the grocer came out of the experience not only wiser, but transformed to a level that resulted in a Harvard Business School case study on their cultural transformation. Elizabeth has witnessed seismic global shifts that have impacted how we support employees and develop 
leaders and created a framework for organizations that can embrace change and build trust. Elizabeth joins JD to chat about how positive change starts with good leadership and that a focus on the three core pillars of communication, leader training, and development and data that proves impact to stakeholders. Be sure to tune in on Wednesday, June 7th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, I've been Josh Felix, and now you're In the Know. In the Know is produced by Sam Drew. The technical producer is Matt Stocko. Visual design by Mark Anderson. Additional production support by Risha Machuchin, Andrea Miller, Malie Bernard, and Megan Kay. This show is written and hosted by Josh Felix. ITK is an Exonify production. For more information on how Exonify helps frontline workers learn and connect and get things done, visit exonify.com.